Phil, that was uh, Clyde Ford that you just interviewed, uh, one of those rare interviews that uh, is done solo. Uh, I was unavailable for a variety of reasons, but uh, great interview, as always, uh, and a, f a fascinating guy and uh, a, an interesting story. And as you had told me after the interview, you learned a lot from it. So uh, I did, yeah. What, 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 what did you learn new? Um, primarily... Um we got to talking about um, issues of race. Clyde is a psychologist and a longtime uh, yogi and, and uh, Buddhist practitioners. He's involved, been involved in many spiritual communities and he does work uh, helping people deal with racism, you know, uh, organizations and individuals with racism and anti-racism and, and issues around you know, that we're all uh, struggling with now. And, and it's been a big issue in spiritual communities for many, many years. And it's, it's really surfacing uh, recently. And so Clyde has had a lot of experience with that. And his insights uh, were, were, were uh, uh, really valuable. And, and one of the things I learned, you know, because we got to talking about the civil rights movement and it's, uh, connections to India and Gandhi, and I had always known that uh, Martin Luther King sort of made a pilgrimage to India in the late 50s uh, because of his interest in in Gandhian uh, nonviolent resistance, uh, and I'd known that people like James Lawson and a, a few others of um, Martin Luther King's uh, predecessors or, or uh, seniors, you could say, or and in some cases contemporaries, uh, had uh, also been connected to India and Gandhi, but I didn't know the extent of it. And he talked about, especially toward the end of the interview, uh, certain people who, you know, are not household words, but who were uh, very important in the history of the civil rights movement and who also had this this deep connection. So, you know, I know about Thoreau reading uh, the Gita and its influence on him, and then his writing about civil disobedience and that influencing Gandhi and then Gandhi influencing Martin Luther King. But I didn't know the extent of it, and it was it's fascinating. Well, uh, also interesting is uh, Gandhi... <clears throat> when he started out in South Africa, and it was during apartheid, so he and, and they had three sets of laws or rules in South Africa. I was been there, and and I've heard it discussed. One one for white people, one for brown people, like from India, and yeah, one coloreds for, they were called. Yeah, and for black, and of course they were most severe for black, but very prohibitive for brown people as well. And that's where Gandhi started his protesting, and in, in, that's right in right. South Africa. So. Uh, I'm sure he's very familiar with the black community and and what they were going through, and it was even more horrific than what the brown people there were going through. So uh, I, I'm I'm not surprised to see that connection. When we think of yoga, and I know he's involved in Clyde is involved in yoga, uh, the yoga world has been very white, as I have seen it. Yes. as has been uh, the world of uh, kind of North American meditation. Yes, uh, and so I, so has the American Buddhist community. Mm -hmm. And do you think that is changing? Well, you know, there's uh, 
Clyde would know better than I, and he's one of the people who are trying to uh, institute changes. And one of the things we talked about, uh, you and I both remember, I, and I, I sort of brought it up, back in the early 70s when uh, TM was, you know, the the big game in town with respect to meditation and uh, the teachings that came to us from India, um, some when we were involved, right. uh, some of the black TM teachers, and there weren't many, uh, went to Maharishi, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, and said we should have a, a black organization to reach into the black community because the big there was this big problem of access. And he said what you know you would expect. He say, but you know we have centers, we have teachers, anybody's welcome. They should just come, but. You know, the centers were, you know, not in black neighborhoods. And, you know, there, there was this, you know, subtle segregation that nobody intended. It's just, you know, different cultures, different subcultures had different access and different um, media that, that, you know, different ways of being informed. And, and so they said no, and they explained it to him, and he gave them the go-ahead, and they started an organization to bring TM into the black communities, and it was quite successful for some years. Right. And in addition to that, Phil, <clears throat> I'm sure you remember that uh, uh, at that time, the TM movement, Maharishi had organized a tra teacher training course in uh, Ethiopia. Yeah, this was, and, uh, this was an outcome of those meetings. Right, right. And they <clears throat> trained a large number of uh, African-American uh, teachers of meditation, of TM, uh, many of whom I know. Yes, And they went too. on to be very active, very successful teachers. And then I, I think that particular branch, I think it was called TM. Uh, TMC, TMC. TMC. Uh, T, uh, Transcendental uh, Meditation that Centers. That reincorporated into the uh, regular TM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the International Meditation Site or whatever. And uh, but yes, over the years, I and, think, you know, they, they they moved into all areas. And there were similar efforts by other people back in the 70s. Uh, and I think we talked about this. Amuktananda's uh, City Yoga organization um, had probably the largest percentage of African-Americans of all the, you know, guru centered movements back then. And one of the reasons for that was they, they had opened an ashram in Oakland in, in a black neighborhood. And right. so, you know, they had, you know, a lot of people, including, you know, sort of black pan former Black Panther people and all that. Uh, and they had a big percentage. So the access issue wasn't uh, quite the same, at least with respect to, you know, the Bay Area. Right. And so... I wanted to add to that, <clears throat> Maharishi... International University in, in Fairfield, Iowa, where I am right now, in that town, uh, they have a very um, active master's program in computer science and in accounting. And most of the students they get are from uh, 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 Kenya, Ethiopia, Nepal. Huh. And so, um, you know, they don't necessarily get so involved in TM, but they do learn it as part of the, uh, uh, the practice. And I would say that probably if you broke down, if, you know, the demographics on their student population, it has a uh, a higher percentage of, of of black students and brown students than almost any other college in the United that's, States. That's interesting. Like that, and all of them 
uh, at the at the very least, uh, practitioners of meditation of TM. Well, one of the things we uh, Clyde was talking about was the you know if people want to diversify within the meditation and yoga and Buddhist uh, practitioner practitioner communities, um, a certain amount of conscious effort should is called for, and there there is a good deal of that. I, I've been hearing for years. Uh, African-American people who are trained by whatever lineage or whatever organization making an effort to bring yoga to the black community, to open a a sangha in the the black community. But, you know, these require a certain kind of effort. Right. The David Lynch Foundation, uh, their primary focus, as I I see it, is uh, going into urban schools, uh, not Mm -hmm. just... States were worldwide, but the ones I'm affiliated yeah, with yeah. in, in the states often they're uh, predominantly African American schools, and I've had huge success yeah. with that. The, the communities have been very receptive uh, that they've gone into, and also yeah, yeah. and it, it requires you know yeah. resources and funding. Also, David Lynch Foundation does a lot of work with veterans, and the veterans organizations are very diverse. So, yeah, bring bring it. Uh, uh, Meditation, the message of meditation, of yoga, is a universal message. So, uh, but, but but I would I you know if yeah. anybody happens to be listening to you and me in this discussion and and haven't heard the interview with Clyde, they really should and pay attention to it because he has insights, of course, that you and I don't. Uh, right. As as an African American who's been in, you know, an ashram for years when he was younger and part of Buddhist. Uh, sanghas, uh, you know, he, he has a certain insight, and he's a trained psychologist and who does diversity training sort of uh, programs. Right, and and I uh, two things. One is uh, we'll have his information posted up, so uh, yeah. you're listening and you can contact him directly. And the other thing is, I I think uh, uh, it's uh, a tool <clears throat> to combat racism can and should be yoga and meditation. Yeah. Because uh, one of the things when I learned TM that I, I you you immediately experience is there's a deeper universal sameness uh, to all of us. You sort of transcend color, you transcend uh, 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 gender, you transcend sexuality uh, and, and everything. And, and you come to that very uh, fundamental place. And, and I think that when people realize that, uh, racist attitudes will naturally start dropping off uh, for many people. To a large extent, that's true. I mean, yoga yeah, I mean, means unity, but and, it, it and gives it's you some insight. Yeah, and it's 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 an, a lived experience that you get with spiritual development. Of it's not an intellectual sense of uni- unity or connectedness. It's a deep uh, knowing kind of unity and knowing at the same time we all need to be educated i wrote a piece on spirituality and health online a few you know months ago when black lives matter was in the mood about my own history and saying you know i thought i was you know above and beyond these issues because of my background you know various things and you know nevertheless i have i still have a lot to learn we all do and so you know there we are, Dennis. So the, the interview with Clyde was 
very productive, and I'm I'm really glad uh, I reconnected with him because I I uh, have known him for a long time and had not been in touch. Hey, great! Well, another <clears throat> wonderful interview, and many more to come. We hope. And yes, speak, sir. Uh, we uh, have do the so pitch, I, Dennis. No, the pitch. I, <laughs> for about five years, I don't know. We have two hundred some odd interviews, two sixty. Where I don't know where we're at now. But we get great feedback. Uh, but uh, we've always made our program available for free, and we want to continue to do that. And we haven't really mon monetized it or sold ads or anything like that. And we ask those that want to keep us on the air to uh, give whatever you can give. It's not a donation because we're not a nonprofit, but we have it on our website, spiritmatterstalk.com, spiritmatterstalk.com where you can click and, and, and uh, give to PayPal or however uh, to us. And, we, and we've gotten a number of people helping to support us. We want to stay on the air. We want to improve the quality of our transmission and all those things. And, and that takes uh, financial support. So that's what we're asking your help in. And you know what? If you don't have the money and you can't do it, uh, somebody else will step up to the plate. We're, we're hoping. And, uh, and, and hopefully this during this pandemic period, and it's not over yet. Uh, a lot of us are inside a lot more, so hopefully our uh, interviews have helped you get through the uh, the day or days that we're going through this. And we're certainly excited about a uh, deeper, richer, fuller, healthier, more spiritual future. Yes, we are in our post-election uh, optimism. Thanks, Dennis. All right, signing off, Phil. Goldberg from Brooklyn, New York, and <laughs> Monday, right across the river, New Jersey. Over and out.